You're listening to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe, a podcast dedicated to women at all stages of our health and wellness journey. I'm Christy from Christy Lee Nutrition. And I'm Cammy from This Mum's Kitchen. And together, we're here to inspire you with the knowledge and confidence to love into your mind, body, spirit, and lifestyle. Now set aside some time for you and join us on this cup-filling journey. Welcome back to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe. This is Cammie and Christy and we're here with the first episode of season two. So this is episode number 11 of our total podcast. So in season two, we're going to be coming back to you with these wonderful co-hosted episodes like we did all the way throughout season one. And we're also going to be doing a few different things as well. We're going to be inviting on some guest speakers to share some of their expert knowledge on all sorts of different topics we know you're going to love diving into. And we're also going to be doing three solo episodes each, talking about specific areas that we're experts in and really, really passionate about. So we're really looking forward to season two and hope you are as well. So for this episode, episode number 11, we're talking about preparing for pregnancy, something called trimester X and the first thousand days concept. So today we're gonna look into this concept of the first thousand days, talk to you about what it is, when it starts and finishes, and how you can love into this incredibly nourishing time in your life. We're gonna look at epigenetics and how that plays a role in preparing for pregnancy. We're gonna explore my concept of trimester X and how wherever you are in your journey, setting yourself up to thrive is always a fantastic thing to do. We're going to have a little brief look at diet and lifestyle because we can't not include them, um, but we'll be diving into those more specifically in future episodes as well. And we're also going to look at how self-awareness, relationships and finances, while they may seem a little bit separate to preparing for pregnancy, they actually play a really key role and are worth looking into as well. So let's dive in. Christy, can we start off with you explaining to our listeners about the first thousand days? Absolutely. I absolutely love the first thousand days. So for anyone who hasn't heard of this amazing window of time, it's in the literature from the day of conception. So when you fall pregnant with a baby and it goes all the way till their second year of life. So when they're a toddler Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the reason we talk about this in the science world, in the research space is that it's a really incredible opportunity when your baby's genes are being um, I guess morphed the potential of your baby the health outcomes um, the intelligence even Mm -hmm. risk of allergies all of these um, future potential opportunities are being laid at this moment in time yeah and I think it's really important to underline that word future that you use Christy as well because it's not just about you know that the health of your baby or the potential of your baby while it's in the womb or even at birth these are these are factors that can be contributing to their journey of health and wellness well into adulthood aren't they absolutely and it all comes down to this concept of epigenetics mm, mm. so most people have probably heard of genes and we would think okay we get half from mom and we get half from dad and surely that's just what we're given and we just go on to you know yeah we get what we're given we can't make any changes with that but epigenetics is actually the study 
of genes and the way that they switch on and off throughout our life. Yeah. Um, and I think the way I like to explain it is by using like a caterpillar and a butterfly example. Mm-hmm. So when, when a caterpillar is born, he or she actually has all the genes to be able to fly and eat nectar as well. Once they're a butterfly. Once they're a butterfly, but right now he, he or she can't. You know, he's munching on leaves. He's got all those, like, creepy crawly legs. Looks completely different to a butterfly. But those genes are there. So mm. the, I guess the roadmap is there. Yeah, lying dormant. Dormant, mm. exactly. So when the caterpillar goes into its cocoon it, and it metamorphoses into the butterfly... What has changed is the way that those genes are now expressed. Mm -hmm. So the ones that were asleep when he he or she was a caterpillar um, have now woken up and become active. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's quite incredible when you think about how great a change that is. Yeah, yeah. And also bearing in mind that also lots of genes will have switched off as well. Exactly. So we have this capability of having genes switch on but also switch off, which can be you know, massively changing, like in your example of the caterpillar and the butterfly. Totally. And so what that means is that when, so this first thousand days is a very, it's a very rapid time of epigenetic change. Mm. So mum and dad have given their genes, um, but some of those will be on and off. And for example, like blue eye color will be either be turning on and off at that stage or um, whether diabetes might be something that this person could be at risk of one day if mum and dad have it in their genes as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous time when things like food, stress, trauma, um, exercise, sunlight, all of these factors that mum is experiencing during her pregnancy um, are influencing the genes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really incredible. And I think it's also important here to, to talk about that preconception phase as well, because whereas the original literature, you know, that, that coining of the term the thousand days that, you know, in our circles of, of working with women and couples for pregnancy and fertility, you know, it's such a buzzword. And it sounds so great, doesn't it? A thousand days, which is literally the number of days um, from the moment of conception to two years of your mm. of your child's birth. But actually we're seeing now new evidence evolving about that preconception phase and how much potential we have there to be also shaping the health, of course, of our eggs and our sperm in terms of, of the men in the relationship as well. Um, and I think holistically, I mean, the science is also showing this, I think holistically, just on a gut intuitive level, that yeah. feels right, doesn't it? It makes sense. Yeah. It really does. And and I think, you know, most doctors are very well aware now that if someone comes into their practice who would like to start a family, the first thing that GP will typically do is recommend folate supplementation. Yeah. So that's one of your B, B vitamins. So we supplement one month prior because already we know that folate is having an impact on the way that the baby's um, spinal tube is going to close. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people who don't have enough folate in their diet, we find that the babies have spinal tube defects. And when you actually then look a little bit further into the literature, we understand that well, sperm takes 74 days to mature and an egg takes about three months. And this is the DNA that is going to make the baby. So for three months, for example, with the egg scenario, three months prior, if there are lots of stresses or poor diet or smoking, that type of thing, 
the very fragile DNA in that egg can be damaged or changed in some way. Mm-hmm. And then again for the sperm with, you know, just over two months. Um, so that's why Cammy and I both believe that actually we should be looking more like three months before conception yeah. because these environmental factors are already influencing the baby. Um, and really, I think that we could probably say it goes even further back because I'm, I was reading just the other day and it kind of blew my mind. So when your grandma is pregnant with your mum, your mum as a little fetus is actually starting to develop her own eggs. Yes. And that's you. Yes. <laughs> so you were a little egg inside your mum when your mum was still a growing baby inside your grandma. Yes, yes. And so really we could probably think that the lifestyle and environmental factors as far back as then are influencing you. And, you know, that influenced your mum and your grandma. And we could just keep going back and back and back yeah, through and that's generations. Yeah, the incredible thing about epigenetics. And it's such an evolving science, isn't it? And then just diving further and further in. And I, I remember... Um, when I was doing my studies, we also looked into the passing of trauma through epigenetics mm. via generations and also on, on a community level and how these things are, um, yeah, are, are traceable back generations and generations and generations. Really incredible. I do feel that we're going on a little tangent, though. So okay. Let's, let's pull it back in. But, um, but yeah, so interesting. But in terms of us now here, you know, with our eggs that we have, um, thinking about preparing for pregnancy, um, it plays a massive role, this this sort of respect of the first thousand days and taking it back, that extra three months that we're talking about, um, in all sorts of development, in immune development and in allergic disease, doesn't mm. it? Oh, 100%. And there's a lot of question about, you know, why are we seeing allergies on the increase? Um, and one of the potential reasons uh, that we're considering it comes back to this epigenetic change. Mm-hmm. Um, so some just some stats for everybody, and I'm sure you're well aware it's on the increase, but currently one in 10 children have a food allergy, one in nine children have asthma, and one in five have eczema. Mm-hmm. And this is just going up and up. Um, so a lot of studies are now looking into potentially what's happening um, in utero And some of the factors that they're identifying are things like um, vitamin D levels during pregnancy. So how much sunlight mum is getting. Um, Also, whether you were born naturally and you were breastfed, because there's a lot of potential for your mum to transfer her microbiome to you as the baby through the through the birth canal. um, Exactly. Massively as well, isn't there? And then and then through those, you know, those first. Also, I think that's why. I mean, there's a massive emotional connection with the skin mm. to skin, you know, post-birth, immediately, you know, bub comes out straight onto mum, onto naked, you know, breasts and, and tummy and, you know, nuzzling. And, and mm. I know that in, um, you know, holistic ways of birth or in natural birthing um, places or if you have a home birth, you know, with a doula and a midwife, they'll probably encourage you to not move your baby to your breast. But your, you know, momentarily seconds ago born baby can sort of nuzzle its way up and knows exactly where to go. (laughs) That's so cute. And that sort of passage, you know, that those few inches that it will make on your on your skin, that's also adding to its microbiome, to its microbial exposure. Yeah. And yeah, and um, yeah, and I know that there's also some studies happening at the moment where um you know when babies do need to be born through cesarean section if there's some sort of swabbing or something like that that can be done from the birth canal to the baby to try and help them get some of that 
incredibly important yeah. exposure. Because yeah. that's their first microbiome. Mum yeah. passes that on to her through the birth canal, but also through breastfeeding. So the, the bacteria on the skin, the baby's being exposed to that. Um, and in saying all of this, there's some wonderful research about a very specific probiotic called lactobacillus rhamnosus. And they've found that it can reduce eczema um, by 80% in babies if it's given to mum during her last or third trimester of um, pregnancy then th- and through the breastfeeding phase as well. Yeah. So for anyone out there who's got you know, allergies or eczema in their family and are thinking about preparing for pregnancy, this is a really good one to get onto. Yeah, yeah, I find that to be totally incredible if you just think how much potential that there is there. Mm. So it really is around that discussion of sort of looking at preparing to pre- for pregnancy in a really holistic way. And this sort of very much ties in with, with my concept and my ethos really across womanhood, which is to, to embrace trimester X. And trimester X is basically tied in with the idea of filling your cup, which Christy and I talk about a lot um, in the podcast and in pretty much every episode, because it's all about um, working around self-awareness and self-knowledge and self-care and understanding that we as women, regardless of where we are in our journey, we are enough we are important enough, our health and wellness is important enough to look after and to put ourselves at the top of our own list alongside everybody else that we love well before we're thinking about nurturing the potential of a future baby. I think that what I notice a lot working with women and couples is that oftentimes, you know, they'll have decided to have a baby and then be ready to look at their health and wellness in a more holistic way and in a more committed and, I guess, nurturing way. But prior to the idea of having to bring into the world another bub that's going to be reliant on mum's health and dad's sperm health to come into the world, um, you know, our own health and wellness sort of slips off our list very, very easily. And the idea with Trimester X is to sort of nourish and nurture that that belief and that affirmation in ourselves that regardless of whether we're planning to have a baby in the near future, we are already pregnant, we are already mothers, or we don't ever want to have a baby, or we're so far past babies. You know, I'm even thinking about my own mother, who's, you know, nearly 80 years old. She's well in her Trimester X. You know, we all are. And it's about loving into where we are and setting ourselves up to thrive in the in the best way possible. Because then when we do come across certain areas of our lives, and in this episode we're talking about preparing for pregnancy, so if we're already well grounded in our trimester X, if we're already doing what sets us up to thrive, if we're already eating the food that makes us feel good and that our body likes, if we're already moving in a way our body likes, if we're already loving into all the areas of our holistic spectrum of life, um, then when, you know, the time comes, we need to be looking at specific nutrients or maybe we need to be, you know, slightly um, changing up our, our our lifestyle or maybe we've, we've hung on to a habit mm. that we know that isn't good for us, it'll be easier to make those progressive changes because we already know what it feels like yeah. to thrive. So there's no defined period. That's what your trimester X is because it really spans as far back as you like and as far forward as you like. It's really this concept of 
looking after yourself always and always prioritizing yourself and and self-care yeah not just because you're having a baby yeah absolutely and also just to make sure that your self-care and your position on the top of your list remains also once you have a baby yeah because that's where the whole of this mum's kitchen came about really was because of noticing in myself and in others um you know how readily we give and love um and how much joy that brings but how quickly we lose ourselves in that as well Mm. and what ultimately then ends up happening is that you're trying to give your best you want to give your best but you're your best isn't your best because your cup's empty. Yep. So it's just that understanding and that embracing, I guess, of um, the better you are, the better you feel, the better quality what you have to give. And that's true for your future babies, for your baby in your belly, for your already here babies, or even, you know, just for the dude that cut you off on the motorway <laughs> or the old lady that ran over your big toe <laughs> with a tr- shopping trolley, <laughs> you know. <laughs> If you're generally feeling fuller, your cut's fuller, your reactions are going to be better, you're going to be a happier, um, generally healthier person sort of across the board. Yeah. yeah. And and, cause, and that's where Cammy and I, we came together because I had those experiences in clinic where all the ladies coming through my door, you know, tr- usually coming in for weight loss. And when we dive all the way back to when it began, it really began once they started having kids and they just stop looking after themselves and get into their sort of 40s and 50s and then 60s and now are starting to like give back to themselves Um, but if we can teach people to do that earlier that would be great yeah wouldn't it and this is where I really feel the real power is you know it's it's intergenerational Mm. potential here because if we're all living by our own example and that example is one that just makes us feel good and sets us up to thrive then when the time comes for us to fall pregnant and for that lovely baby to come into the world and for us to be, you know, nourishing it with our milk and then onto foods and food choices and eating around the family table, all of this, you know, we're all just walking the walk, you know. Yeah. So when our kids are eating, they're eating food that is good for them, that's going to set them up to thrive because that's what mum and dad are doing. Mm lifestyle is active because that's what mum and dad are doing you become a role model and I think that we do forget that they're watching our every move they want to copy us they want to be like us so if you can be a great role model in in terms of your own self-care then your kids will want to perform those same self-care behaviors yeah yeah Mm. I think it's really important also to to note um also bringing it back into you know the focus of this podcast which is of this episode which is um preparing for pregnancy is that you know it's it's not about perfection yeah and I think that especially you know people like you and me when we we work in this arena we have a podcast we're talking about you know best practices people might mm, connote you know perfection Mm. and and there is no perfection nobody is perfect um you know the 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 goal is not to always make the most healthful choice. The goal is to have your holistic circle and your your you know your this little cup that you can imagine just to be full. And that might mean that you know you make the decision to go out with the girls one night and eat whatever you want and drink whatever you want and go to bed late and sleep in the next day and not do any exercise. Because your balance is there and because you understand what makes you feel good. So there can be exceptions. 
because you're still going to feel good because it's only an exception. Does that make sense? Totally. I'm always talking about balance because there's no good, there's no bad. We talk about that a lot. And even when it comes to like going out and drinking and having a crazy night, you know, that's really good for your your mental health, you know, mm. your social health. You've got to, you know, it's wonderful to have great friends and you need to have those connections. So if you get invited out, you don't want to always be saying, no, I can't go out. No, I don't want to go do that because oh, I'm trying to have, you know, I'm trying to fall pregnant, you know, have that little bit of balance where you go, but you don't do it, you know, every weekend and completely trolley yourself all the yeah. time. <laughs> It really is. It's balance. And I think that we're all always searching for that balance. And sometimes we fall a bit out and that's okay. You just bring yourself a little bit back in. Yeah. Yeah. Center yourself again. Yeah. And there's lots of tools that you can um, use to help you sort of assess where you are in this in this more holistic sense. Um, In my practice, I use something called the circle of life, um, which is literally a circle like a pie with all the different segments in it and it really covers you know everything that's what we say off the plate so it's not talking about your food choices we do those um separately but what the idea is is that this primary food as we like to call it actually um influences your secondary food which is the food you eat so things like relationships like christy was talking about connection creativity your career, um, your home environment, um, your movement, you know, all of these different things. There's many, many different topics. And we use this um, circle to sort of map out with dots on the page, like how you feel about each of those areas. And then the idea is, is where you're feeling a little more wobbly, we, we use practices to love into those. And so that over time, you're building up this toolkit, um, like Christy and I always talk about, um, where you're literally noting down, you know, off the plate strategies and practices and rituals, which help to fill your cup, lift you up and keep you feeling like you're thriving. Amazing. Yep. I think it, that I think that premise actually reminds me a lot of what I do around um making someone, um, so we alter their environment to help them make better choices. Mm. So if, you, if, if, if you've got healthy food available in your house and it's the most convenient option, you're going to choose it. Mm. But if it's not there, it's not in your house, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And sometimes focusing on your environment, your home, um, the way that you meal plan, um, you know, your social in, um, influences as well, like f- having a look at those can actually mean that then you're going to naturally choose those healthy foods you already know you should be choosing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it can also spark, you know, really enlightening conversations around, you know, maybe on on this circle of life, you know, we've perhaps noted that friendships um, aren't feeling so fantastic. And so you sort of look into that, you do some, you know, self-awareness work, you talk with your coach, you're working out where it's happening, which which of your friendships are troubling you. Maybe there's a particular social circle. You know, we, we look into it more and then and then you sort of start to dig deeper, don't you? And then you realise that, oh, you know, when I see blah de blah, <laughs> that makes me feel pretty rubbish. And then feeling pretty rubbish, I go and do this and this. And then I make that food choice. And then I, you know, and it, it all just spirals and, and interweaves, doesn't it? So... Um, yeah, it's definitely part of 
preparing for pregnancy. Absolutely. Um, and and just getting your whole, um, your yeah, your whole holistic self. Just just getting around that, getting to know yourself, getting into that self awareness. Because you know, once Bub does come, um, for at least some period, I'm not going to try and like profitize like when how long that's going to be for everyone (laughs) everyone's journey is different but at least for some period of time you're not going to have that much time to sort of dig into you so to already be there to already know what balance feels like how to get yourself there you know even when um sleep is is poor or whatever you know that you can do x y and z they make you feel rested or you know this sort of movement will be good for you um then those toolkit yeah, your toolkit is already full. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. And let's dive into a bit more about food and nutrition because obviously that's where Cammy and I have a lot of expertise. Um, and some of you might be wondering, you know, should I change my diet before I fall pregnant? I, you know, there's a lot of nutrition information specifically about pregnancy, but probably not so much is in the mainstream media about preconception. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I want you all to think a little bit back to what we said before about the D, so the DNA coming from our eggs and our sperm. So given that it's coming, you know, at least three months before conception day, with the lifestyle that you're living at that time, you want to be living a lifestyle and eating a diet that preserves DNA quality. And so really what that looks like is, is an anti-inflammatory style of eating. Yeah. And to understand a bit about inflammation and oxidation and antioxidants which are words I use a lot in this kind of space if we were to just to give you a visual if you grab an apple and and you chop it in half and you leave one half on the kitchen bench and then you go and put your other half in the fridge and maybe you squeeze a bit of lemon on it and cover it up in in some sort of um, you know plastic film or or a covering you're going to notice that the one on the bench is going to turn brown, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, both will turn brown eventually, but the one on the bench, it doesn't have protection. It has, it's out in the sunlight. It's out in the oxygen. Yeah. Um, so that, that protective skin that normally covers an apple is now no, no longer there to protect the delicate flesh on the inside. So that browning process is oxidative damage. Mm-hmm. And we're experiencing oxidative damage all the time. So the sun, you know, it burns our skin. Mm. That's um, oxidative damage. When we smoke or we do ex- excessive exercise or eat a really um, sort of fatty and salty and sugary meal, mm. all of these things on a cellular level cause this oxidative damage mm. in our body. Mm. Well, even oxidation just as an natural process totally it's happening all the time absolutely and and it's something that can't be stopped but it's something that can be modified Mm -hmm. so our body has a natural ability to deal with oxidative stress using its own antioxidant enzymes so we have that natural ability there but it's usually not enough Mm. so we actually need to put more antioxidants into our body to help um, build up our our, I guess our f- our store our store exactly yeah. and so because basically what we want isn't it is we want to be having way more antioxidants than free radicals basically completely yes and how we would do that is we would find antioxidants from highly colorful fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. that I mean that's the best source or in my little apple example I was talking about lemon juice and putting lemon juice on the apple flesh so vitamin c is a natural antioxidant mm-hmm. 
Um, and there are some cultures around the world that really nail this, isn't there, Cammy? There are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but really, I mean, it, it does come back to our premise of veggie loading. Yes. I mean, I know people start to be there covering their ears because I always <laughs> ah, have any opportunity I talk about <laughs> veggie loading. But it is, it's that, it's that idea that, as Christy was explaining, you know, oxidative stress, very simply put, you know, um, creates free radicals and we need antioxidants to basically couple up with these free radicals and, and sort of, I guess, neutralise their effect. Yes. And, um, and you know, all these antioxidants, they come from all of the beautiful plant foods, especially the most colourful ones that we can be getting into into our diet. And a wonderful example of an anti-inflammatory diet and of a, just a really natural way of eating is the, the traditional Mediterranean diet. Mm. So in that, we're not talking about, you know, pasta and pizza um, necessarily, although, of course, there is room for those as well. But we're talking about, you know, that beautiful, abundant, seasonal, um, plant-focused way of eating with then, you know, wonderful quality um, animal products in there as well, if you'd like, like good quality, you know, um, free-range meats, lovely cheeses, you know, dairy, whole grains. Um, And really, it's just as simple as saying eating whole foods in a seasonal way. Unprocessed food, totally. yeah. And I think, and that's where um, the Mediterranean diet is so special because there's also such an emphasis emphasis on fish. Yes. So those omega-3 fatty acids from fish are really special. They have an anti-inflammatory and antioxidant-like effect mm-hmm. on our cells. And um, on good fats, of course. And good fats, yeah. yeah. We need to be having good fats for, for good hormone health. Yeah. Um, and so, you know... When you think about the egg and the sperm and how delicate they are, they have um, fluid that surrounds them. And if the fluid that's surrounding them is inflamed, if you've got a lot of reactive oxygen species in the body, um, the fragile DNA in there can be damaged in some ways. And so if you have quite a, you know, a full on lifestyle and you're not looking after yourself so well, that your eggs and your sperm can slowly become not such good quality and you'll find that you'll have trouble falling pregnant Mm. because if the DNA is fragmented or damaged in any way, um, the chromosomes won't line up. Mm. And so you keep trying every month and every month and you think, what's going on? But the body won't allow DNA, damaged DNA to essentially come together. Mm. It'll Mm. keep trying to repair it and repair it and repair it before it will let it, you know, um, yeah, fuse. Mm. Mm. And there's... um such a beautiful way to put it so I did, yeah I really resonated with that um so in in the um the book that I did together with a wonderful Perth-based obstetrician and fertility specialist um Dr Jude Teo and that book's called What to Eat a specialist guide to fertility and pregnancy and we'll link to it in the show notes you can um, buy it through Amazon um there's a great sort of Um, deep dive into the Mediterranean diet into how it works for fertility and pregnancy and into what's called the med diet score so an Mm. actual way for sort of scoring your your food choices for um increased potential with with fertility and um healthy pregnancy and we're also going to be interviewing Dr Jew um Tio in a future episode so we'll go into that more then um but just to outline that if you are keen to get a get get going with this now then that's a that's a great resource um to dive into but um but we can also give some practical tips now can't we yeah absolutely so some of my first tips that I would be recommending 
is we talked about the fish before. So you want to make sure that you're having at least two serves of oily fish every single week. So that's things like salmon, mackerel, sardines, and herring. If you're vegan though, and you don't want to be um, having more fish, you can use algae supplements, which Cami has all the time. Yeah. 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 Highly recommend. I can link to that as well. Awesome. So definitely number one, definitely get your fish up or your algae supplements then I would be making sure that you're doing some switching with your uh, proteins. So rather than having animal proteins all the time, start to do some swaps with plant-based proteins. Mm -hmm. So like tofu or legumes or nuts. Um, And that's just going to, it's going to ensure that you're having less saturated fats, which can be more inflammatory and it's giving you more fiber as well, which is really good for gut health. Um, Another one that's interesting is, Try not to burn all your food. And I, <laughs> that's a funny one. <laughs> We're not suggesting you don't know how to cook. <laughs> you know when you you know when you get the char on food and you you know typically more summer barbecuing, but a lot of that that char and that black that comes onto food, that's they're called advanced glycation end products and they're quite inflammatory mm. in the body. So you want to do more gentle styles of cooking and like steaming and poaching and um, sort of just more lower heat um, styles of cooking. So that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, and probably the other one, I know we talk about veggies a lot, but just so people can understand what five serves looks like every day. About one handful, like if you put your hand out in front, you've got one little cupped hand in front of you, that's about one serve. So you want to be having five handfuls throughout your day as a minimum. And for me um, particularly, what I do is I would try and have two at lunch, two at dinner, and then just have one more as either a snack or with my breakfast, however it's going to kind of fit into my day. Yeah, yeah, I love that breakdown. Yeah, Mm. it's also helpful sometimes just to think about your plate and just think, you know, if you've got basically around half of your plate um, filled with colourful plant foods... And then, you know, you break down the rest of your plate between your protein. And as Christy's explained before, you know, that's the fist of your hand. And then, um, you know, whole food carbohydrates, some good um, whole grains and things like that. Some good fats, you know. So you want to be having your olive oil, um, your avocado, um, nuts and seeds and that sort of thing as well. And, And really, you know, without massively complicating eating, you know, if you're going just for whole foods veggie laden so we're not suggesting you have to be a vegetarian or a vegan but you are you know looking into having that variety and we've talked about that before you know trying to have 30 different varieties of plant foods every week and that includes you know your spices your herbs um your nuts and seeds you know all these different things you're just mixing it up a little bit and every time you go to the supermarket trying a different plant food or as christy was saying swap out some animal based protein with a different type of plant based protein that maybe you've not tried before um these can be great ways to be just keeping a really diverse and colorful and varied and therefore nutrient dense um way of eating Beautiful. And then, of course, there's there's lifestyle factors as mm. well. And we can be looking into... And if you're specifically, you know, we're going... We're talking about preparing for pregnancy. We're talking about those first three months um, prior to, to conception and, and trying to get pregnant. Um, you know, there's some really obvious ones, aren't there? But they are still worth saying. You'd obviously want to be looking at um, removing smoking from your life if you are a smoker. 
Um, we did an episode last season in season one around creating habits. Mm. That's got some great tips in there. I think it might have been number five. five. Yeah. That's the one I was yep. going for as well. So maybe it is. Um, if it's not, it's around number five, creating habits. Um, same with um, drinking of alcohol. Um, you don't need to necessarily eliminate it entirely um, in that preconception phase if you don't want to, um, but definitely bring it down. Um, the recommendation is about one standard drink. For, for women, yeah. Men can have up to two, and then you want to have three alcohol-free days a week. Yeah. And if you really wanted to go that extra um, level, if you wanted to have a drink, try to go for red wine because yeah. it's got a lot more antioxidants. Again, it's and polyphenols. And polyphenols, yeah. <laughs> and it's all about balance. So, you know, if you're going to have more than, you know, the two, um, all of a sudden the impact of alcohol is starting to now outweigh the polyphenols. But if you're having just like one or two glasses, that's going to be okay. Yeah. 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 So that's the number to go for, three alcohol-free days a week as a sort of minimum. And I think that also as you find that, you know, you're loving into the different areas, you're eating really well, you're eating in a way your body likes, you're moving, you're getting good sleep, you'll probably find that you anyway consciously want to move towards drinking a little less yeah um anyway um so obviously illicit drugs um you know not not to be recommended um and you want to be getting into some lovely um cup filling movement whatever that might be um you know you'd be making sure to just be active generally as much as you can um and to have a, a good few sessions per week of actual exercise as well mm. be that yoga or hit or pilates or bar or you know whatever it is that you that you enjoy um and the last one is sleep it's such a massive 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 part um of our lives and of our stress response um of our healing of our restoration um and it it really is something that a lot of us let go and is and is so easily unfortunately targeted when we are stressed you know Mm. we might fall asleep okay but we wake up with those 3am thoughts um so there's lots of lovely things that you can be doing to be loving into your sleep um and to be trying to get into bed you know for around 9pm i'd go at least four times a week um, and, you know, be turning off those devices and having some sort of sleep routine, you know, before bed routine that um, that really helps you to relax. And there are lots of meditation apps mm. as well and things like that that can really, really help. And all these things play into each other, don't they? Because if, you know, it's having too much alcohol, it stops you from moving into that really restful REM phase of your sleep. Yeah. So drinking less will give you better quality sleep. Doing more exercise or joyful movement will help you get a better quality sleep as well. And when you sleep well, the next day you have better energy. You're You're not looking for sugar all the time. You feel like you have that... Um, decision ability to be able to make healthful choices it all kind of works in together I think that it's like a bit of a domino yeah Mm. yeah absolutely and I think it's really important to to pull it back as well oftentimes and just remember that in preparing for pregnancy and and in deciding to start a family um, this really is about you and your partner and sort of not much else Um, but That being said, there are lots of things that can sort of feel like they infringe on that simplicity um, just because, you know, life gets in the way. And 
what I've found through working with clients and also in my own personal experience and talking with friends is that massive determining factors for whether we feel ready to have a baby or to have a second baby or to have a third baby um, or, you know, if, if we if we feel confident about that decision um, comes down a lot, of course, to our relationship and where we are and, you know, where we feel we're on the same path as our partners or not, um, to finances and how confident we feel around finances and around self-awareness in a way of this is where I am with my life, this is where I want to be with my life, is there room in my life for a baby, um, especially from a, from a female point of view because you know there is a lot that will change um, once we decide to be mothers and totally respecting the bio-individual individuality of that and also just the the uniqueness of every journey and every decision and that's not going to be the same for everyone but that there will be change is without doubt and so oftentimes I find having those really open conversations with your partner as a first port of call around how you feel specifically around those potential changes, how he feels around those potential changes, and then putting some really practical steps in place to help you feel confident from a financial point of view as well, and to make sure that you're both on the same page across those two really important factors, which are your finances and how much your life will change or how much you're willing to to want it to change um, are really, really nourishing conversations to be having before you start. Completely. Yep. And I love that we've brought that in because I think a lot of people wouldn't expect us to talk about finances, yeah. but honestly, it is so important and your relationship needs to be ready for a baby when you do decide. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, sometimes those sorts of conversations, they're not ones that we will naturally gravitate towards, especially when, you know, prior to to adding a baby into your family you know most of the time you've each got your own separate incomes you might um you know not even really worry about money or how much money or you know you just you just sort of have money you both have your careers and your life and your your finances they just work sort of parallel to each other and that's wonderful but um once the baby comes you know, at least for a little while, that's going to shift because, you know, we need maternity leave. You might find that one or both of you doesn't want to work quite as much once you've got a bub and you want to spend time with them. Um, yeah, so having those conversations and just being really open mm. around what you feel, um, you know, how much you feel you're going to want to return to work because there's no expectation there you know you might well want to return to work and that's great or you might well not want to or to cut it back or do something different or so yeah starting those conversations now really openly and without expectation with your partner um and just working towards finding out how you both feel around those things um is really beautiful and then it means that once bub does arrive you're both securely on the same page and ready for whatever life is going to, you know, yeah. bring along. <laughs> Exciting. <Yeah. laughs> 
So we're going to finish now. And just to recap what we've covered today, we talked at first about the first thousand days concept and epigenetics and how all of that plays a really important role in helping you prepare for pregnancy. We've then dived into Cammy's amazing concept of trimester X, which is about nourishing yourself at all stages of your life. And then we've dived into a little bit of an overview of some specific diet and lifestyle tips for fertility and preconception. And then finishing just now on finances and relationships and, and how you can be making sure that you're on the same page and you're working as a team before you, you plan for a baby. Yeah, wonderful. So we'll see you all next Wednesday for episode number 12. Thank you so much for listening. We're really grateful for the time you spent with us and can't wait to do it again. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hop over to Apple Podcasts or Facebook and leave us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to us via the Nourish, Nurture, Breathe Facebook or Instagram pages and check out nourishnurturebreathe.com for our show notes. Thank you and until next time, remember to nourish, nurture and breathe every day.